This session is part of a webinar series which aims to assist researchers, librarians and institutions in the adoption of digital tools and persistent identifiers for a significant increase of research discoverability globally and to increase efficiency in scholarly workflows. All right, um, welcome to our webinar series on open science for the discoverability of African research. My name is Ibuka Izike, project manager at Africa Archive. So before we go on, let me tell you a little about Africa Archive. Africa Archive is a community-led digital archive for African research communication. By enhancing the visibility of African research, we enable discoverability and collaboration opportunities for African scientists on the continent, as well as globally. So today we welcome our speaker, Mr. Bosun Obileye. Bosun Obileye is Data Science Regional Engagement Specialist for Africa. His career spans the institutionalization of open science from policy development, infrastructural development and implementation, advocacy, engagement, and adoption. He has a background in computer and information research science, cybersecurity, research for development, and community engagements. His interest in identity and access management is reflected in persistent identifiers as seen in his work with data sites across Sub-Saharan Africa, where he engages, collaborates, and promotes PIDs best practices and adoption in the region. So once again, thank you all for joining us today. And now over to our speaker, Mr. Mosun Bubile. The mic is yours. Thank you, Ebuka, for the opportunity to present here today. It's an opportunity, yes, and I call it an opportunity. Can they allow me to share my screen? I mean, with the audience, just as he right. rightly mentioned, okay. Just as Ebuka rightly mentioned, I hope you can see my screen. Yes, we can see your screen. Thank you. Can we see it in the presenter mode now? Yes, it is. Yeah, thank you very much. So I am Boso Bileye. I am the regional engagement specialist for data sites. And it will interest you that I have had my career in Africa. I worked as a research organization before where I coordinated the, the unit that was responsible for research data management, developing policy for open science, engaging the community of scientists across 32 African countries and collaborating with other partners 
beyond Africa. That organization, I'm saying this for us to know where I'm coming from, had zero data submission. And by the time I finish with the organization, we have more than 3,000 research data outputs properly annotated with well-structured metadata having their DOIs. They are in open repository now. So I want to discuss with us today what Datasite is doing to contribute to PEATS infrastructure in Africa. We need to have a little preamble about the organization called Datasite. Datasite, which I'm representing here, we are a global community. You remember when Ebuka was mentioning about Africa Archive? He mentioned that Africa Archive is a global community. So we are also, and we share a common interest. And the common interest is to ensure that research outputs, now I'm not just talking about maybe journal article or preprints or data sets, I'm talking about research outputs. So just imagine what could be the output of a research work. Whether you are a student, having project, dissertation, thesis, your output of your research before you graduate, we are looking at how can we make these resources openly available and connected so that their reuse can advance knowledge across and between disciplines now and in the future. So maybe my work is on genetic improvement of cassava breed or banana species to give it maybe calcium, to give it phosphorus, to give it some nitrogen, vitamin C, vitamin K, that is for a particular field. So what would be the impact of this enhancement? Another study was socioeconomic, we'll study it. All of these outputs that each person is carrying out in their thematic area, we want to see how we can make this tunnel to entire cross and then make it available for now. And in the future, you can still refer to them. As a community, we make research more effective with metadata. The word metadata needs to be explained so that we will not think that it's meta of Facebook. Metadata is information about another information or data or resource. For instance, if I have my phone holding it, if I want to know about this phone, I need some information because I am not the only one using Apple iPhone. I should be able to say my phone screen was made in this year and I bought a casing that is made by XYZ. How do people know that I'm truly the owner? The information that supports it, when was it made? What's my MEIE? The identity 
for this phone that to make it to be unique is the metadata. So we make it to connect research outputs and resources from samples and images to data and preprints. We enable the creation and management of persistent identifiers. When we say something is persistent, it means that it will not stop. It will keep on existing. Identifier means what you use to know, to get a unique person or resource or object. We integrate these services to improve research workflows and facilitate discovery and reuse of research outputs and resources. Currently, our community has more than 3,000 repositories with more than 680 members in 51 countries. We have over 56 million resolvable DOIs. All this on the sound like jargon and about 14,000 plus organizations are our members. So in a simple term, it means that when we call repositories, we are talking about that location or you may call it a server or a system where you drop your research outputs and uh, the members that made up our organization today, we are more than 680. DOIs, they are the digital object identifier that we used to identify your research output. We will see it in this course of this presentation. And when I talk about organizations, they are the unique entities like your universities, your research organizations, your country representation that we, that have joined us and our members. So what is speed? Um, I want to implore us, if you are on your desktop, you can scan this QR or you can go to www.menti.com and type in the number 67362074. It's on the screen. Or if you are a fast typer or typist, you can go to https colon slash slash www.menti.com slash A-L-V-I-4-F-C-5-P-9-F-P. If you're doing that, yeah. So we are looking at, if you are familiar with the word speed, you can see the response I mean, I don't know the number of persons that have responded, but say no, I don't know what you mean by PEDS or PEDS. Let's give one more minute to see if we still have people that will respond. No, everybody's saying no, 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 no. You can see my GIF saying no. I don't know what you mean by PEDS. So all what you have been saying, they are jargons. Explain yourself. Okay. So it's everybody saying, no, no, no. 
we got here from our mentee. Got here from our mentee. So go to mentee.com. When you are there, type in this digit six seven three six two zero seven four. So let's see, check our results. No, 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 no. Everybody's saying no. So, Sorry, Mr. Boson. yes. Um, can you can you um type the link or paste the link in the chat because of okay I think somebody was asking for that in the chat yes all right or maybe I can help you do that if you can't okay all right and then the numbers to check. Six seven three six two zero seven four. Okay. So, um, Fair enough. I think, yeah, I have a good knowledge of where we are, so I know what to talk about. So let's go back to our slide. We are going back to our slide. The next thing is for me to explain what we mean by PEDS. The word PIDs implies persistent identifiers. PIDs are labels, they are labels. Um, you put your label, data site label is there, the logo is there, Africa archive is there, button logo is there, and they are just like label to identify and share information about digital objects. Is there any question for me here? I'm seeing someone typing something there. Okay, here's the link. Thank you. Now, welcome everyone. We are welcome, Dr. Robert. Everyone on board, you are welcome. Please, if you have questions, you can use the Q and A, type it in there, and we will surely respond. They are used for identifying resources. What do you mean by resources? For instance, a journal article. When you publish a journal, sometimes people put things on LinkedIn and uh, it's a link, but anybody can copy it. A small story, some, some nine years ago, I wrote an article and I put it on LinkedIn and a professor of chemical engineer called me from Canada 
and he said, hey, Boston, what you have written is fantastic. Do you have orchid? Have you given this deal high? Do you consider putting this on the blog? Do you consider getting credit for what you have written? I could not understand what he was telling me. Because what I published on LinkedIn was actually a research. I was actually collecting data for that information. And I used the data that I collected to write an article. So that kind of an article, how can I get a link that will let me know that this number of people have clicked on it? It is being cited. That means that somebody is using what I've written in another publication or in another research work. There's no credit for what I've done. I've just wasted my energy. So to give it an identity, I need an identifier. So I just give a story behind what happened to me about nine years ago. It could also be preprint. It could be conference proceedings, books, book chapter. It could be data sets. It could be samples. We have archaeological findings. It could even be institutions. It could be organizations. It could be individuals and many more. PIDs must be persistent. A PID once created should always exist. You should not be able to delete it. It is possible to update what a PID points to or to update the metadata. I've explained what we meant by metadata earlier. But the identifier must remain constant. It must always be there. That link must always exist. Even when the creator of that content has gone to another world, if it exists somewhere, that resource link must keep on existing. It should not be a website name that I could not renew again and the hosting got expired. So a PID may be connected to a set of metadata describing an object rather than to it to the object itself. So describing it that, oh, this data was collected by this number of people. These are their names. This is what you can use to identify them. These are the institutions that they are affiliated to. This is the project started on XYZ date and ended on XYZ date. Or if they are maybe journal article, you can talk about the author or the co-authors. When it was published, where it was published, the resource location, where that resource actually is. Those are the information that you get from PEDS, Persistent Identifier. It is going to be identifying that resource continuously, perpetually. So if you want to look at how a PID is, it is not the typical www.data.com or .org. It has its unique means of writing it. In our case, we have this example on the screen where we have HTTPS doi.org, which is like the root. Then we have 10, we call it prefix. Then dot three eight eight four four, which represents your repository. Then before we now give your research output its own value. The surface, the prefix, they are there. 
So for instance, this is a unique alphanumeric string referring to a digital resource. When you now click on it, it will point to that particular object or research output that this kind of unique identifier is pointing to. So it clicks on it, then it will resolve and land it to that maybe data set or to your publications, wherever it is. It will always point to that same resource anytime, any day. That is what the metadata represents. And I also wanted to know that we have different kind of PIDs. Remember we said PID implies persistent identifier. When it is one, we call it PID, persistent identifier. So if you are referring to resources or objects, we use DOHI. Data site provides DOHI. When you are referring to human being, I'll be focusing on the back-end organizations that we integrate with. For human being, we have different identifiers. In the US, they will tell you that your identifier is SIN. In some other countries, they have their unique way of saying it. But for research organization, we integrate with ORCID for, to identify research, a research person, a researcher, sorry. For researcher, we use ORCID. And for example, when you are considering your institution, maybe University of Mekelele or Mekele University, I mean, I mean in Ethiopia, University of Nairobi, you need to have what is called your raw identifier. For instance, Africa Archive, we have our own identifier as in raw. So we have different identifiers that are persistent. It could be for resources, it could be for the researcher or students, it could also be for the organization or a place. For instance, a museum could also be given an identifier, an archaeological site. In the Middle East, we have a lot of archaeological sites. Even in Africa, we have, so they could also be given their raw IDs. Pits in Africa, pits infrastructure in Africa. Um, do you know that according to Open Door, this is a research work that I did this year and the publication is coming out soon. We've had internal report in our organization. I'm just giving us some snippets from what we had. About 94% of repositories in Africa are institutional. That means that they belong to one organization or the other, or one university or a research organization. Additionally, it will interest us to know that about a quarter of repositories in Africa are located in South Africa. Mind you, South Africa is not the country with the largest number of university, no population. But in terms of acceptance of open science, 
in terms of the number of the pits infrastructure, they take about 25%. Whether you are considering the result from open door, open door is open directory of open access, I mean, directory of open access repository, that is door. So open means that it's open, accessible. Directory of open access repository. Whether you are checking from there or from other sources, Af I mean, South Africa keep on leading. And Kenya owes about a fifth of the total. So in invariably, we have South Africa leading followed by Kenya in terms of the number of repositories. Additionally, I also want to say that in Africa, we have different kind of repository softwares, but the leading one that sat now is this space. That does not mean that the this space that we have, the instances have all been properly configured. In fact, a lot of people are having problems. That is another study. But in terms of what they have on ground, is 80% this space. We have others that are much more flexible, but that's what we have in Africa. And according to UNESCO, in 2001, after December, only two countries have actually implemented open science as a national strategy. And that is South Africa and Ethiopia. The countries that are in blue, as at the time of the report, they are almost, they are working on it, getting ready to complete it. Whereas the other countries in red, they have not done anything. I concentrate this study on sub-Saharan Africa, meaning that I, the, the North Africa and the part of the Middle East are not considered in this study. Then from data site Fabrica, we found out that we have about 100,000 DOIs that are findable coming from African research. So this can improve, this can improve. I want to see whether we have an understanding of what could be the challenges that we're having in Africa. So let's see, and we need to move to the Mentimeter right away. To the same Mentimeter that we had before, I would love us to go there. Now we need to take on the second question mention some challenges to PIT adoption in Africa. I'd like us to spend some few minutes to think about them and let's respond. You see, look at this bird. The birds want to fly, but it's dropping down. What could be the challenge or the challenges? So we want us to, I mean, from what I've explained, what can you, what can you just consider to be maybe one or two of the causes of this? So, yeah, let's let's have a let's have a let's have a digital divide. 
Oh. Internet access. This is internet access. Let me close this. Yeah. I'm agreeing with what we are seeing here because I've been to some countries in our continent here in which, yeah, the NRS are working on giving internet, but internet is like luxury in some of these countries. So I agree. Awareness is minimal. That is also excellently correct. The awareness is minimal. There is digital divide. Yes. Can we still have more? Can we still have more? We have three responses now. And most people are not even aware. I totally agree with you because I was also in another webinar. No, it was a conference and I was talking and they said, calm down, calm down. What do you mean by this? So I needed to explain about how you handle research data management following global best practices. So I agree with this also. Let's see have more. Go to www.menti.com. We shared it earlier. Yeah. Somebody put digital literacy in the chat. I would have loved that we put it on our menti, but we acknowledge it. Uh, Doris, we acknowledge, acknowledge that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And we said you, we appreciate you for coming around. I'm just trying to look at what we have here. Yeah. Dr. Hami, you're welcome. Poor sensitization. So we are, I, I could see that we are mentioning something very pertinent. Awareness level is low. You know, sometimes because I, as Africans, we, we love to protect our image. We don't want anybody to talk us down, but I'm part of the of my continent. So when I talk, I, I say, can somebody say this about my continent and I'll be happy. But the fact is, it is poor. We need to actually do something to move from that poor to make it to be average and from average to be good, from good to be excellent. We can move. Yes. Poor technical know-how. I can't but agree with you fully. We need the technical skill. We need the technical skill. The little or few of us that get to know this, you know, technical people are, are expensive today. So I agree with this absolutely. Lack of funding. Even if you are technically savvy, you have all the internet. If there's no funding, you won't do anything. So I agree with this also. Thank you very much. So um, at this point, we can go back to our slide. So thank you. I, we, we got nine fantastic responses. And um, for those that are joining us, we are on menti.com. The number that you are seeing on the screen is what you type in. We are trying to collate input on what could be the challenges to adoption of PEDS in our region, in Africa. We have seen a lot of responses, digital divide, no knowledge of benefits are uh, excellently. I, I, I actually agree with this because what is in need for me? Why should I just be spending my money on this? So no knowledge of the benefits, lack of funding, poor technical know-how, poor sensitization, 
inadequate infrastructure awareness that is awareness is minimal internet access digital divide digital literacy most people are not even aware no knowledge of benefits and lack of funding so thank you i want to say kudos to every one of us that has participated this uh i i say kudos once again your inputs are highly appreciated so i am going back to the slide it's going to show blank screen again so we move forward I just put some down here. I said awareness, which we have already mentioned. And there's something that is called institutional support. Let me give you the story of what happened in my previous life. When I'm in previous life, my previous engagement, you know, when we told researcher that we need to drop your research output, you know, somebody looked at me and said, I'm appalling, I'm disgusting. Another person said, I'm disgusting. They are two different persons and they are different genders. A male said one, another one. In another country, they are not in the same country, not at the same time. That means that they said, what, what, what kind of thing are you telling me? The management asked me to drop my data. You are asking me to come and drop my data with you and make my publication open? You must be, you are disgusting. Just believe me. So there's no institutional support. But the story never ended that way. I'll tell you the part B. So when there are poor national or institutional policy on open science, the librarians, the, the, the custodians can just be making noise. You won't get any results. Funding, even if you have the best of ideas, you are so knowledgeable, you are intelligent, but there's no funding. There's nothing you can do. You are going to need money. To get the guys, the lady, the folks that will work with you for curation of your information, for digitization, for acquiring your DOI, for maintaining the infrastructure. And even if you have the money, I do have the right knowledge gap. When the technical skill and the knowledge is not there, the money is going to be wasted. Then mindset on digitization and open access could also be another factor. Ethically, there are fears that if I put my information there, somebody will use it, plagiarism, if it is data, somebody will use it. If it is image, somebody will use it. So how do you manage and protect this license type? How do you protect intellectual properties? So a professor will first think about, oh, somebody is going to steal my research work. How do I protect? You are not telling me to take it out and leave it open, you are giving it one funny DOI. Will the DOI protect my information, my research output? So those are, they are legitimate fears. All the ones that we have stated in the menti.com, they are all legitimate fears. And then how do we get the right human resources? You know, there is an organization that one of their key staff of open science left in this continent. And I understood that they have done adverts. They couldn't get any right person to replace such a person. No, there are things that happens because we couldn't get the right resource. So how do we move beyond this? What can data sites do or what is data site doing or what will data sites do to help? There is opportunity for growth. You know, I'm excited when I see challenges. 
because I could see that it's going to give opportunities. When they say that there is poverty in the land, then why can't you create something that will bring wealth to the land? So we need to increase the awareness about PIDs. And it's gaining momentum gradually. It's gaining momentum. I was in Zimbabwe to talk about how to even start with best practice research data management, how to develop repositories, make your publications open, how to protect them when you need to protect them. So those are things that we have started doing. There are new entrants that are exploring other repository softwares because, I mean, I've had a lot of cries about what majority are using. Now this place is not this, no, it's not doing this, it's not doing that. So I say, okay, I've used it also, I've had the experience. But you can still try the modern ones that are coming up. And so we are, things are shaping up in our continent. The policymakers are warming towards open science. And we could see that the numbers of countries that have adopted open science have increased beyond what we had in the UNESCO data that I shared earlier. We have more countries that are coming up. And funders are pushing for the use of PEATS in open science or open access. Funders are saying that we want to see, give us a link to your research output. Digital publication is gradually replacing paper-based publications. Let me just crack a joke with you. You know, I finished my program some years back in the university, the first degree, and I went there after some decades. Uh, I saw my research paperwork in dust. I was sneezing. So I asked one of the professors that was still there, I said, so this work that we did, I think the whole world is going green now. Can we try to see how it can be adopted? Say, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, how do we get it digitized? So we can see that, the, the, I mean, that, that, that enthusiasm from that professor gives me the That is getting traction, digitization of our publications. Knowledge preservation is stimulating with digitizing using persistent identifiers. Then what is the strategic initiative or what are the strategic initiatives from data sites? We have done some things and we are doing more. We found out that we want every researcher, every organization, want to see the impact of their work. When we rank universities or research organizations, your output from your institution is part of what is used for your ranking. Are you making global impact? Are you visible? If you are not, then we don't know you. So DataSite is working seriously with other partners. We created a with other colleagues, I mean partners across the globe, the Make Data Count initiative, we are pushing it so that you can have a platform where you don't need to pay to check the impact of your work, whether it is in gray, anywhere, as long as you have connected with right DOI, you can see the impact of your data. Then we support community-led registries. For instance, RAW, we are supporting RAW to make sure that keep on existing. RAW, like I mentioned earlier, the, the identifiers for organizations, for places. And then we also support and contribute for repository discoveries. 
So the retreatdata.org initiatives, we are supporting and collaborating with them, even financially. That's where we index repositories. You need your repositories in your university to be indexed here. How do you do that? You must meet some standard also. So you go in there and register with them, retreatdata.org. Also IGSM. Now, the Global Access Program, GAP. This is another initiative from DataSite, which was launched in January 2023 this year. The funding is from Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, and it is to improve the equity and access to persistent identifiers infrastructure in underrepresented regions through a comprehensive approach. So Africa is part of the underrepresented. We have seen the statistics that I showed earlier. We are all researchers. We are, there is no restrictions. And communities have the tools and resources they need to conduct and share their work. Just make it available. How do we ensure this is done? Then it has this team that data site has to come together and say, okay, you team will be responsible to focus on global access program. We have Gabriel Majors, who is leading the community, the, the whole program. Mohammed Mustafa is, is, is coordinating the Middle East and Asia. Boson is representing that's Amboson, sorry, by the way. For Sub-Saharan Africa, we are Aturo is for Southern Americas, the IPAC, the Americas, sorry. And then the Global Access Program has three prongs. The outreach, I'm starting from the bottom. We have to le we learn from communities and stakeholders, then we seek to increase awareness of PD infrastructure. Then we have the technical infrastructure in which you want to see how we can support the locals and international stakeholders to see how we can build this infrastructure. And I will tell you, I've had a numbers of chats, WhatsApp, people bringing me, oh, this, I'm having a technical issue with our infrastructure and I've been working, working without knowing day or night to support people. Also, we want to provide funding. The technical infrastructure is also we're having support from the organization. We're going to see what we're talking about now. And they want to provide funding to support this. So what we have done is for the outreaches, I just gave some of the outreaches that we have been part of since this program started. I mean, we've talked with decision makers. This is Gwanda State, I mean, in, in Gwanda State University in Zimbabwe. We've been to, I mean, with Library South Africa archive sessions with Ubuntu Net. I was I was part of it. We have been to Zimbabwe where we we talk with the librarians over there. We've supported I assist in their webinars, talk how to build a fair repository with global visibility. At the Ubuntu Net conference, I mean, we were there. We also present talking about pits. And we also have the, the webinar that we used to introduce GAP. So we have organized outreaches. We are still organizing more and more are still coming next year. In terms of infrastructure, 
I mentioned at the beginning that I done a landscape analysis of pits infrastructure in Africa. I just took an extra from the analysis and then we are collaborating with platforms and service providers on providing integrations like in venue, and then, you know, the PKP, we are providing database to give integrations, even this space also. I mean, we are working with the infrastructure providers. And I just should take a snippet from the infrastructure analysis that was done to see that we have done some work on this region. The one on my left is comparing available resources in sub-Saharan, repositories in sub-Saharan Africa. And the one to the right is looking at it from the raw. The left is comparing all three that I first considered. The Global Access Program also come up with funding. Like I mentioned, you know, I said there are three prongs. The third one is the funding, which is called Global Access Fund, GAF. It's not only for Africa, it's for Africa, Asia, Middle East, and Latin America. The funding categories are three. I said R because we are going to be announcing those that are successful in December. You have the outreaches. If you have you request funding for outreaches, you can give up to 10,000 US dollars. For infrastructure development, you can give you up to 20,000 US dollars. And for demonstrators, we are giving them up to 50,000 US dollars. We are giving a number of people of organizations of, of individuals that will be that to have submitted the application was opened on September 1st and it closed on October 15th. The review is on, it's getting to the end. And then the winners, those that are successful, will be announced in the month of December. The project will run throughout 2024. Now the project is not dying there. In 2024, we'll still be going out for another GAF. So watch out for GAF 2024, where you have opportunity to get this free funding to support PITS Global Access Program in this region. They are conducting research with PITS and metadata. For every Persistent, ident persistent identifiers. The at bit is the metadata. So I have here that whether you want to make identifier for your repository, which is done through retrieve data. For your organization, yeah, I have raw. For the people, the researchers, we have ORCID. For the works that you are doing, we have a data site, or you can also consider Crossref. This research work, in terms of the PIDs, they have to be connected. For instance, when an author who belongs to a particular institution writes a publication, that publication should be referencing a particular data set that was used. Because if it will be peer reviewed, you must be referencing your source of information, which is your data set. And that Publication also comes through software, which can also be used to reuse new data sets. So you can see how they link themselves up. In terms of the PID graph, a data, data must first be collected 
and then it will be, you are supposed to analyze it with your software, maybe with your Excel, it may be SPSS, it may be SAS, it may be R, and after you have analyzed it, you may probably do your publication. That publication was written by a person is also the one collecting the data set, and that person belongs to an organization. And remember that organization or the person will get funding from funders. So that's just how it relates. Now we are trying to open up our minds. Data site is not just providing DOI. Sometimes metadata could be a big problem. I've seen some communities they discussed with me that they are trying to have standard metadata. So what we have done is that we've created a metadata that can work with different thematic areas. And this is what we have done. Metadata, like I've explained earlier, provides information about that resource. So when a member registers a DOI, registers a DOI, they always register metadata about that resource. So if you are going to register your DOI, we have a list of information that you must provide about that resource. This will help with the discoverability and connectedness. It will also help with what is called fear or fairness. F-A-I-R stands for findability. I'm sure a lot of us may know it. A stands for accessibility. I stand for interoperability and R stands for reusability. It will promote it. So data set we have, we have built metadata schema that you can use. It's part of what we are using to support Africa. That now you can come to our schema and use it for your repository, for your organization. It's going to take care of every kind of research output. I will get to that point. It's a list of core metadata properties chosen for an accurate and consistent identification of a resource so that you can cite it. You can retrieve it along with the recommended use and instructions so you won't abuse it. The schema provides standardization which allows users to search across metadata and thereby increases interoperability. Data site metadata schema can be used for different resources types. And I will show it in the next page. In that metadata, we will ask you when you are going to, for instance, you have, let me even say, a journal article or a research data in Excel sheet. We are going to ask for the identifier. We want to know who created it. What is the title for this book or this article? Who are the publishers? What year is it published? And then we now come to what is called resource type. In this resource type, I'm moving to my right-hand side. You, you now need to select the kind of resource type that you're working on. That's where we have the audio visual. You can pick the book, book chapter, collection, computational notebook, conference paper, conference proceedings, data paper, data set, dissertation. It's so much, you can see the list here. So it's not restricted to one kind of research output. It's so broad. You have journal, journal article. Then we have what's called the recommended part 
of the metadata that you will need to complete. Where we talk about the subject, what subject is it? What are the contributors? What date is it? And then there's something called related identifier. This is what points to the identifier for the university or for the research organization is the one that points to the ORCID. It's related to other metadata, even to Crossref and I mean, all that metadata, it, that's where the connection comes in. The description and the geolocation. The others that are optional idea. I want to tell us that our schema 4.5 will be announced, will be launched next year. Then the services that the site is providing. First, I want us to know that everybody see data site DOI, yes, DOI. And you can create DOI for all kinds of research outputs. You can, you are not restricted. You can detect type and other types, they are all there that you can provide it for. Those are what we call the resource type in the metadata. And our service, we have a centralized tool called Fabrica to manage your activities. You can create and manage your highs via API, APIs, application programmable interface, or even through a web form. So you can, your metadata schema designed for non-traditional literature. The, whether it is what your blog can give it DOI and our metadata will take care of it. We are you have a search index for all public data data sites DOI. So if you use our DOI, it's going to be indexed. That's searchable and findable. Linking and checking services to check the health of your URL. We want to be sure that that URL is not dead. So if it is dead, our tools will identify it. We want to ensure that what you call persistent identifier, actually persistent and existing. We have integrations into other platforms like Google Data Search, OAI, PMH, metadata made available via third-party identity services also. We are integrated with OK, like I mentioned, backend integration with Crossref and APS for various automations, reporting, and dashboards. Then we have something that's called common. It is called commons.datasite.org. When you go there, you can, it provides free access to metrics. You, you don't need to go and buy additional tool to get the impact, create reporting, generate metric, I mean, the, 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 what you are, the impact of your work. It is free. We call it data site common. Once you are using that DOI. Metrics to check your work impact. For your whole institution, you can check the impact. For the number of citations, for the number of views, for the number of downloads, and could also be for individuals, for group of people, for organizations, for work, for repositories. So we support you. We support and support recognition. The next page, I just want to show you some screens of what we have in our commons. So this is just like a screenshot of some of what you will see when you go to our commons, you type in the name and then you see it. Here, I was trying to look for which organization and then it's going to show me for this organization, I can see the, the publication they have by year, the works type, 
the, what is missing or what is not missing, they are licensing. The work language, I can see that this is English. They can see the field, it is called computer. Those who are the top contributors for this organization, I can see it. And then the citation type, I can see them here. Additionally, I can say, okay, find a journal article. I want to find an article. I could go in there, type the name, and it's going to give me the information about that article. It kind of works. You see, there are two types of it here. I could see the citation. There's only one. 103 people have viewed it, and there are 16 downloads. So if you are the author, you are excited. It brings citation to surface. So your citation, you can see this is my work. The recognition that you want for your work, you get it in terms of people citing it, and then you see the numbers. You can also put this DOI and link it to your research gate, and it will still be doing the same thing. You don't need to get a third party tool to measure your, I mean, your metrics. Data site provide a one stop shop, not just giving you DOI. We have a lot of integrations and we are going to provide support for you. The organization's citations can also be measured. It is not just for individual. Now, a university can say, we want to see the impact of our work. Every, every such and this university, every department, we want to see the impact. At a glance, you can see it. You don't need to be writing codes to be crawling the website of different companies to get it. No, 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 no. On your seat, you get all this about your organization and the number of reuse of your work from your university or research organization. You can also get for different works. You can see, okay, this is my work. Can I see the impact based on that person, on that work? It can also be based on repository. Okay, in XYZ repository, in university, we have two repositories. So for each repository, maybe for medical department or for the legal, or for the sciences, you can see the impact of their, the, each repositories. And those that need to work more, you encourage them or tell them, oh, do something more. And then we have trainings and trainings and trainings for our communities. We organize regular training sessions exclusive for members. So we are doing what we have done now for members. We now make it available on our YouTube channel. So our audience, our communities, not just only in our continent here, or even beyond can watch them. We collaborate and support members with unique dates. We organize open hours to foster collaborations among our members. That's where people discuss about their challenges. Oh, these are the new trends so that we can catch up as a continent. We have working groups to endear new knowledge and promote best practices. There's working group that's meant for Africa, but combined with Europe so that we can tap into what they are saying. Initially, it's only meant for, we are saying, should you be for Africa alone? And someone like me say, no, we want to know beyond Africa. Can we see what they're also doing in Europe? So a combination of Africans, organizations, and, and those in Europe, we can rub mine together. So it's not restricted to anybody. We combine together. We dedicate specialized staff, staff for each region. And for instance, I'm dedicated for Africa to provide direct engagement for our members in each region. Our membership, we have two types of membership, but before I get in there, we adopt and implement best practices. 
we simply with simple interfaces and services support to documentation and dedicated staff like me. We follow best practices documentation with community coordination full of passion, passionate people who share experiences and support best practice. When we are having a community meeting, you will see passion. You will see passion. That people say, no, yes, yeah, no, can we do it this way? That's the kind of community that we keep. We, we continue to evolve, evolve, and our metadata also is evolving. We track the influence of research with tools, and you are not going to pay for it. We have dashboards and analytics that you can make to be available on your website directly without once you're a member, you don't need to pay additional fee. You can have a lot of harvesting services, and we have graphs APIs that can make you to create relational metadata discoveries. Register data site DOIs and metadata to improve the discoverability and reuse of your research output and resources. So DOI metadata registration, we continue to do that and maintain it. We have content negotiation, we link check-ins like I mentioned earlier. We harvest our APIs by our public organizations and we have interoperable schema. There are two kinds of membership that we have. We have people that are just generally there for us. They're public, but not fully members. This can serve in a community. But if you want to be using our DOI, you can come in as a direct member or you come in through consortium. For instance, African Archive is, is part of Ubuntu Net Consortium. And Ubuntu Net can have other organizations which they have in Eastern Africa and Southern Africa. For direct members, they are connected to us directly. So, thank you very much. Feel free to contact me. My email is boston.obilaye at the other site. And uh, thank you once again. Thank you, Africa Akai, for the opportunity and Botonet to share with the audience. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Boson, for taking us through um, data sites contribution towards and the promotion of um, PIDs in Africa. Thank you very much. And now um, we'll move on to the segment of um, questions. If anyone in the audience has any question to ask, uh, this is an opportunity for you to ask whatever question you have in mind to our guest, Mr. Boson. The floor is yours, Tom. You can either um, turn on your mic or ask the question in the chat. But if we just um, give some circles to anyone who has questions to ask. But then before uh, we get any question from the audience, I'd like to ask you a question, Mr. Boson. Yes, sir. All right. Um, we heard from some of the slides you presented to us. You talked about um, funding. So we'd like to know more on that. So for that, I'd like to ask this. How does data sites work with other global organizations, such as international funding agencies or data repositories to align efforts in promoting PIDs in Africa? Yeah. Can you just tell us more on that? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Evoca. 
we are actively working with funding organizations. For instance, gap that we I was talking about earlier is a funding opportunity that we got from Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. Beyond just getting that funding from them, uh, other members that are from richer countries, we encourage them to provide some funding so that we can be able to extend whatever we have to support regions like Africa. We also have direct meetings with funders. In fact, the funders ID and the grant IDs, along with Crossref, we are working together with funders to see how we can coordinate with them so that they can be able to track and trace the funds that they, have give, they are giving out. Because one of the challenges is that when funds are given out, how do we account for it? So we are using identifiers to track. So we are working with them and once they can be confident that what they are giving out can be traced back to the source, it will increase their confidence level in her region. So we are working with them and that is why GAF, Global Access Fund, we're still going to have another one 2024. It's not just a one-off or two things. We want to be like, how can we support these regions? So we are working with them. And the second question, sorry, you want to remind me for the second about the second question? Um, actually, you have answered that. Basically, was talking about um, organizations and um, repositories. So you have um, done justice to that. But yeah. to add to that, I think I have uh, another Sorry, question. somebody, somebody yeah. raise up. Yeah, I, I can see Ido's okay. hand up. It will just um, give me a second because um, the question in the chat is more like um, a continuation or an addition to what um, Wilson just talked about. So just give me a second, Ido. You're going to ask your question after this. So um, take the way in. I hope that is correct. Gay day. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrongly. She's trying to know the specific dates when um, the GAF result is going to be released. So can you let us know more about that? Yeah, I I know that before the year closes, it will be announced. The process, if you have actually gone through the website and the videos that were used to announce, there are three levels of review, three levels. The first one is to collate all the applicants, the applications submitted, sort them out. And then those that follow the instructions and meet the guidelines will be sorted out. That's the first way. The second one, it will be sent to reviewers across the globe, some in Africa and beyond Africa. Although these reviewers were given timeline to submit, um, sometimes we have time constraint or some things that they do not plan for that could happen. Just like the story that I was telling you that, I mean, the institution wanted to do this thing, but it couldn't happen because there are some things that happen behind the scene. So we 
although we, we hope that before the end of the year, probably before Christmas, it will be announced. I say probably because I'm not the final decision maker. The board is the one that's going to sit and the boards are actually data site members, organizations that are using DOHI. When the reviewers have submitted, then the board will now look at it and ask, okay, this is the fund that we have for the 2023 and we dispose it to these numbers of people. So all that I'm sure of is that this December, it will be, the project will kick off. If you have already planned and you are really setting your mind to implement something in 2024, when the fund comes in, you will roll off. But I can say, let me say more than 70% that before Christmas, Christmas is 25, it should be announced. So that's what I can say. Okay. And um, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. So um, thank you very much. I hope that is clear now, Gede. So take note of that. So, um, Mr. Ido, you're putting your hand up previously. Can you ask your question now? You can turn on your mic and ask it. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you, um, moderator. And uh, thank you, Boson, for uh, the presentation. Very insightful. And, uh, you know, though I joined late, my first attempt to join, I was uh, being asked to put in the, the meeting ID, but uh, was not supplied. But thankfully, you know, you guys supplied the information. So, and I delete the, the, the part, the other I met was quite uh, interesting. So, I, I'm a scholarly communications librarian at Afrika University, Adekiti. I manage our journals you know, uh, online using OJS. And uh, uh, we also use a PID, uh, I mean, a DOI, but not from your organization. Okay. Um, we started that journey back in 2021. And um, I did my research you know, before I would uh, I advised that the university should set for uh, the organization we are currently using as our hurry instead of a data site. But from your presentation today, you made me feel as if, you know, uh, I should have gone for data site, you know. So uh, with all the, you know, enticing uh, packages you talked about. So my question is uh, to ask, um, you know, the while registering of the DOI, you know, I'm not sure if you spoke about how to go about that, is it web uh, deposit or through, you know, uh, XML file or something like that. So I want to you know, know about the process of depositing, you know, registering DOI that has been assigned or created for digital, you know, objects. So the second question is, um, yeah, you talked about the mandatory metadata, you know, of the recommended and the other ones. So is it that while depositing the original DOIs, all of these fields will be open, you know, to uh, to the person registering to be able to fill in, you know, the ones he wants to fill in and those he could not fill in. Yeah, that's my question. Thank you. Sorry, I was muted. First, I apologize on behalf of the entire team for this 
challenge that you had where you wanted to join, and I'm glad that you're able to join. For data site, if you want to create DOI, for your research output, you are talking about journal article now. Yeah. Your university or your institution, we have, let me call it a server. It can be in your university, it can be hosted in the cloud, a cloud provider like AWS, Azure, Google, and many more that we have in our continent, MTN. Let me, uh, let me mention our African brother, MTN Glow. So they also provide all these cloud services. It could be with them. And then what you have a website for that people can click, go to, and when they get there, they will see the list of your articles. So what the DOI does is this. That list of your article on your website is pointing to a particular object, in that case, your journal. For instance, here, I have all these things that are in, like, I mean, over shape, over -shape, rectangular shape. They are links, although they are identifiers also. They are pointing to a particular thing. So when they click on it on your website, at the back of it, you are going to put the DOI, which is like a unique resource identifier coming from us behind maybe the title, I can call it medical research on hepatitis B. Behind it, you are going to put the DOI. And I mean, if I can see one here, this, oh, I want to see one that can easily show. You can see here, this will be like what will be behind the scene, but they'll be seeing a name like this. When they click on it, it opens this, and this will now go back into your server where your journal article is. Maybe it's a PDF or data site or Excel or whatever format. It will now go in there and open it. The summary of what I'm saying is that we are not the one that keeps your data sets or resources. What we have done is the link to that resource is what we are providing with the rich metadata. And we have different means of doing this for you. If you want to do a manual method in which you are going to on your system because we are properly integrated with OJS. I mean, properly, we have API for it that you don't even to do any manual work. It can automate it for you once you have your metadata available. It can use XML, it can use JSON, our APIs and the uh, REST APIs that can integrate with your backend. OJS, like I said, is well integrated. So that process is automated if you want it, and if you want to fill a form, web form, and submit, it will also do it for you. So we call our system that handles those kind of activities, we call it Fabrica. And I want to see if I can see that here, but it's called Fabrica. So once it's done, it will give you that DOI, which you can then decide to share, link, or tweet. 
aside from the question that you ask, may I tell everybody that is listening to us today that don't ever, I use the word don't ever, I mean ever, send the PDF of your research to anybody, not to your best friend. Send your DOI, especially if you, are, you have subscribed to DataSide DOI. Because the one that you forwarded to your friend by WhatsApp, by email, through PDF, is not counted to you, even if the person reads and forwards it and forwards it to others, multiple people. Nobody detects it and to not give any credit in the day you want to apply for funding or for fellowship. But when you share the DOI, if you are using DataSide DOI, you have the assurance that it's being counted, even when they are just viewing it. Is counting for you. So you share your DOI. And if you want to know the impact of what you have done, tweet your DOI. When people click on it, go come to our common site, which can also be linked to your own repository. You can see the impact of your work, how people are viewing it, or how they're downloading, or they're checking it, or they're citing it. Thank you. I hope that explained your question. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Bosun, for giving us that clarity. And um, before we go on, let me tell everyone that um, the recording of this session will be made available on our website at africachive.org. I'll put the link in the chat very soon. And then, um, Mr. Bosun, somebody's asking if um, the presentation slides can be made available. Sure, we'll share the DOI. So like I told you now, don't share your PDF. We are going to share the DOI and um, Africa Archive will, will send it. I mean, I'm sure by the end of today, you should be, I mean, by tomorrow you should be able to have it. Okay, okay. All right, thank you. So do we have any other questions? Anybody? Um, seems there are no more questions. Sorry, just a quick one. Okay, all right. Yeah, the gap is it only for data site users or for anybody? Data site is not saying that you must join us before you can access Global Access Fund. In fact, okay. I'm privileged to say that more than 95% of those that applied for the funding are not our members. They are yet to, they, maybe they are yet to decide. So, but if you use it, you, you access the fund and you find that, oh, data site is not just DOI. They are offering more for the universities. They are connecting you. They are linking you up and giving you report metrics. And you want to join us, of course, we, you will be able to. Let me also say that if you are one of the winners and you need to use DOHI throughout the year of that one year of that project, you won't pay a penny to assess our DOHI. So, for instance, uh, Mr. Edo or Dr. Edo, if you are, your organization applied 
and you won, and you said, oh, this year alone, we're going to need 10,000 DOIs. It's free for you for that project. You are, you are not a member, but under that project, you have access to it. So we are using it to support making open science to be an equity thing. It's not going to be just for some privileged people. It's going to be for everyone. So that's what it's about. But we will we'll gladly love you if you join because I will smile. You will also smile if you join. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk behind the scene. I'll do, I'll do you an email. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you very much, Mr. Wilson. Um, are there more questions? Do, I, do we have anyone who still wants to ask a question or you need clarity on any of the things Mr. Bosun has said today? All right. Um, let me just add this for DOI assignments on individual research items as well as institutional levels, you can contact us at info at africakai.org and um, work with Ubuntu Net Alliance to identify the most feasible way forward. So um, we have the link in the chat as well that talks about the technical details on the other side's DOI assignment as well. All right, so in the absence of any other questions, I think um, we'll just draw the session to a close. Or I don't know, Joe, do you have any other thing you would like to say? No, I'm good, thank you. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay, all right. All right, so um, at this moment, I would like to thank everyone for joining us today in this webinar session in which um, we talked about how DataSight is helping to promote um, the PID infrastructure in Africa. So thank you again for joining us in this wonderful session. Like I already posted in the chat, the recording for this session will be made available on our website at africarchive.org. And then you can also get full details and register for this ongoing webinar series at africarchive.org forward slash webinars. So this webinar series is cognized by Ubuntu Net Alliance and Access to Perspectives as part of the ORCID Global Participation Program. So we still have two more sessions for this year and many more exciting sessions and speakers in the coming year 2024. So our next webinar session is on December 4th, 2023 with the lens. And we're going to have Mark Gallinhouse and Aaron Balag as guests. So make sure you attend or do well to attend. So in the absence of any other thing, um, let me thank you once again, each and every one of you for making it to this webinar session. And I hope to see you all in our next session come December 4th, 2023. Thank you once again and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Bye. everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.